my heart is just absolutely overflowing with just life and an expectation and, and excitement and joy for what God is doing in our church and in our people. And our, our greatest desire is that you would walk in the newness of life that Jesus had bought on the cross for us. Um, I, you know, what's sad to me is that so many Christians go through this life, the, their whole lives, having not had, uh, you know, that, that joy of the Lord and that peace of the Lord residing in their hearts. And for them, it was a slog and it was, a, you know, just a chore the whole time. And, and that's not why Jesus, you know, died on the cross for, our, for us. He did not die so that we can, you know, live in, in, in defeat the whole time, uh, but end up going to heaven. No, he died so that we might live in victory now and that we might experience his kingdom now. And even though this kingdom of God is never going to be fully manifested, you know, this side of um, the grave and before Jesus comes, he said that, you know, to, know, to have eternal life is to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And, and that, that we do not just wait for the afterlife to receive His promises, that these promises are meant for us to walk in, in this life here and now. And so there remains such a rest and such a breakthrough and such life and joy and peace for us to be walked into that, um, you know, it's, it's so sad that so many Christians don't. And, and my desire is to see you walk in that. My desire is to see you break free out of the things that are of your past that might have, you know, um, caused you to, 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 to feel like you're not worthy to receive that, to feel that you will never get that, um, or to feel that, you know, things are too messed up to recover that you might experience God's peace, His rest, His restoration, which uh, you know, the Hebrew language describes as a shalom, His fullness. Everything restored, nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've tasted some of that. And I want that for every single person alive. And, uh, and that's my heart for you. So no matter what you are going through right now, God has peace and restoration for you if you will engage with Him. Like Sylvia here so powerfully said, I took one step toward Him and He came rushing out. It's the story of the prodigal son who returned with the intention of just being a slave. And the father, undignified, picked up his coat and ran out to his son and embraced him and kissed him. That is the relationship. That is the God that we serve. And that is the God that wants to have uh, you know closeness with you uh, and walk with you in a powerful way to to elevate you out of the trouble that you're finding yourself in and to give you that life the bible says the kingdom of god is not in eating and drinking in other words it's not the, the do's and don'ts the rights and the wrongs that we are doing in life no it's about god's righteousness that gets to us through our faith in jesus christ and then it's about living in his joy and in his peace that is what the kingdom of God consists of. And the kingdom of God operates in that. And so if we are unsettled, if we are, you know, uh, uh, if we have, if we have uh, uh, lost our peace and, 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 and are stressing and we're just uh, constantly uh, uh, fretting about what's coming, we don't have God's peace. And therefore the kingdom of God don't come to us. We don't get to experience God's promises and uh, His breakthroughs because we are stuck we are stuck in, in the, 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 the effects that the work of the enemy has had on this world. And so last week we spoke about just, you know, the battle, the battle that we're in. So if you're ready, I'm ready, but it's about time to do round two of Fight Club. You all ready? Let's do it.
Round two of Fight Club. Last week we heard that there is a spiritual battle that each and every one of us are involved in. And it's not about finding a demon behind every bush, but it's recognizing that the devil is real and that he has a strategy with which he tries to get us away from God. If you have not been born again, his first and foremost objective is to keep you from becoming born again. It's to keep you from saying yes to Jesus. If you said yes to Jesus, he's lost that ultimate battle, but he won't relent until he has placed every bit of a wedge that he can manage to do between you and your relationship with God so that you will only experience God as this authoritarian taskmaster. That is not who God is, and that is not who he wants you to experience him as, but the devil will try his utmost to try and get you to experience God um, different from what the Bible reveals God is. And he will try and get you to believe lies and things. We're going to talk about that today. But the first and foremost thing that you and I have to recognize is uh, we have to come under submission to God. We have to take his word and we have to say, look, I will elevate your word above my own opinions. I will elevate your word above my own logic and my own reasoning. You know why God can ask us to do that? The scripture says that God has elevated his word even above himself. That means when it's written here in the Bible that God will do something and not do another thing, he himself is bound to his own word. He will not contradict his own word. And so when God submits to his own word, you and I better submit to his word, right? <laughs> um, God does not even elevate himself above his word so as to contravene the principles that he had already put in place. He will stay faithful to them to the point of death, even having to send his own son to die. You think Jesus' death was just a nice idea? No, it was a legal contract he had to fulfill in order to be able to buy us free out of the sin debt that we had. He had to let justice take place. He could not just forget our sin. That would make him unjust. If he just forgets you for murder and he forgets you for lying, but he gives us the same outcome, that doesn't sound right. God is a just God, and so he had to make a plan so that justice will fully be served. And that's why Jesus had to come. He had to punish sin. But he knew that if he was going to punish sin, you and I were going to end up being eternally separated from him. And he did not want that. And so the plan and the solution was for his own son to come and take that punishment on our behalf. Punished for our sin. He took our sin upon him and then he gave us his righteousness. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of our God. He doesn't just do things through happenstance or because he thought that would be an extravagant statement. No, he does it because it's necessary. Because he had submitted himself to his own principles. And therefore, if you and I are going to use those principles, use this word, you and I have to come under it. Because why would, why, why, why would the devil listen to something that you and I aren't listening to concerning our own lives? If you're not listening to the word of God in the area that you're not, your authority is missing. And you have no say so. And he can say whatever he likes. And you can believe that. And so for us to realize that there is this battle going on, um, it's, it's imperative to us breaking free out of the things that are holding us back and that are destroying our lives and making our lives living hell on earth. But that's not the only thing. The, the thing is that 
this battle is, 90% of it is waged in an area of our existence called our mind, our will and our emotions. And uh, um, the reason why it's so intense is that literally all of life is processed through that same uh, faculty. If you go out here, you'll be, you'll be bombarded with information and you'll be asked to make decisions about where you're going to eat, where you're going to fill your gas tank, where, where, which, which products you're going to buy, which advertisements are you going to say yes to and which are you going to reject. If that's not enough, we are, um, you know, we're, we're troubled by you know, our, own, our own past instances, things that happened to us that we're still trying to make sense of, still trying to figure out how do I recover from that. And then there's like global crises, you know, political unrest things that happen that we're trying to make sense of and we're trying to find reason for why they're happening and there's these debates and we don't know what to believe and all of this makes things just become a little too much for our minds to comprehend and to handle and we forget what the Bible says that if we will keep our minds stayed on Him, that's where we will find our peace. I will keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on me. But all these challenges to our mind, all these options, all these seeming solutions to, hey, if you do this, you'll get you know, financial freedom. If you do this, you will take away worry and stress out of your life. If you do this, you will find this and you'll find that. All of this information that we have to, it, it bombards us and it causes us to take our eye off the goal. And the minute our eye is off the goal, Anything becomes an option. Anything looks like it's going to work. But what we don't know is that there are so many lies out there that will set us up for failure if we're not careful. The enemy knows that our greatest asset is our mind. In Proverbs 23 verse 7, the Bible says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You cannot move beyond your self-view. How you view yourself is how you will act, how you will respond, how you will, uh, how you will treat other people. And sometimes we think that, oh man, that's not me. What I did there was not me. But if you really truthfully go and re- think through it all, you'll realize that there are views about you that cause you to, re- uh, to react in certain ways, even against what you want to. But it, it, it's still true. It's still true. And the only way to deal with that is not to deny that that is you, but to realize that that is you. But that it doesn't have to stay you. And if you have a desire for something better, that that desire comes from God. That desire comes from something on the inside of you telling you that there's different options here. This is off. This does not have to be like this. And if you will allow God into your life, He will help you to change that around. (laughs) <laughs> he will help you change that around. It almost sounded like one of those people that plays the piano dun, 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 when the preacher gets, gets excited. The enemy follows two strategies. The first one is accusation through, and I'll change that word to condemnation. Accusation through condemnation. In the book of Revelation 12, we get a couple of verses. I'm going to... Cook Pull some things out. It says, For the accuser of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. That talks about the defeat of the enemy. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. The devil is an accuser and he is a deceiver. First, let me talk about accusation. The the devil tries to accuse you so that you will feel guilty and turn away from God. 
He accuses you of all the things that had gone wrong, all the things that you had done wrong, and the shame and the guilt that comes along with the mistakes that you make in life naturally makes us walk away from God and not walk toward God where we will actually find our true freedom from the things that have happened. His plan is to drive a wedge between you and God and not see God and God's principles as your solution, but to see them as uh, something that will be judgmental and something that will, um, you know, that, that you need to be afraid of. And so his accusations are always filled with a whole lot of condemnation. He reminds you of your sin. He reminds you of your failures. He convinces you that you're unworthy of God's love. He makes you skeptical about God's existence. He tries to cultivate doubt in you that God can ever love you again or God can forgive you or God has in any sense of interest in you. He tries to get us to that place, if you have been saved, to doubt that very salvation that God has given you by His grace. So can you see now that religion is actually one of Satan's best ways to keep man in a situation of doubt? Because if, if you're in a religious approach, doesn't matter what religion you, 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 you so choose, even Christian-themed religions that keeps you in a perpetual state of not having done enough to please God, you can never be sure of your salvation. You can never be certain of the fact that you have been accepted as his beloved child and that he wants to be your father and he wants to have a close, endearing relationship with you. And you're always trying to make things right with him. You're always trying to prove yourself okay. And that effort that you have to put in, is, it's never enough. It just never is. And we intrinsically know that, but we don't really know how else to try to do this because that's what we've been sh said, said that we need to do. You know, you need to make it right with God. But the true message of Christianity is that you can't make it right with God. And the only way that you can become right with God is if you, by faith, agree, by you, by faith, realize that Jesus died on the cross for that very reason that I cannot please God. And by the fact that I put my trust in what He did on my behalf, He grants me grace, absolution of my sin, with no more fear of judgment and punishment, even if I do make a mistake now. He guarantees my acceptance into His kingdom, into His family. By His grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself, lest no one should lest anyone should boast. That's Ephesians 2.8 right there. And this is so important because the Bible says that as you've received Jesus Christ, so you need to continue to live in Him. So sometimes we, we realize that, okay, I can't get saved by my good works. But after I got saved, now, now it's up to my good works to get God to bless me, to get God to answer my prayers, to get God to protect me. And so when something happens like I get a break-in in my house or something, I immediately think, oh, God's punishing me. No, <laughs> that's not what's happening. What's happening to you is the world is happening to you. And this world is broken. And this world is ruled by darkness. And so these things will happen to us. But God can protect us from it. Not based on our works and our performance, but based on our sonship, based on the fact that we've become children of God. If you think like that, you start to act like a righteous person. 
Like I said in the beginning, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. It's in righteousness. But what you can really see now is that I need to be thinking right about my righteousness before it, if, uh, before it actually starts having the right effect in my life. See, I can be born again. But if I still think of myself as a slave... I will, start, I will still experience life as a slave. If I still think of myself as having to perform to get God to be pleased for me, I will keep performing. And I will never have, never have rest. I will never settle into that, um, that, that assurance that I've been accepted, that I am saved. And so it's so important that we lay to rest these, um, these, these wrong thinking patterns that you know, is then... The devil takes opportunity in them to condemn, bring a condemnation on us and tell us, all right, it's because you did this that this is happening. It's all your fault. Okay? And, 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 and that makes us want to turn away from God because we're ashamed that we again sin. We're, we're, we feel guilty. So that's the, the first thing. The second thing is deception through lies. And lies don't necessarily make you feel deception, don't necessarily make you feel bad. In fact, lies may sometimes give you hope. It's a false hope, but it's hope nonetheless. It tells you that there's a solution to your problem if you will follow this lie. The suggestion. It's a, it's a false statement that is sometimes containing some truth. And sometimes it's, it's, it's containing a little bit of a lie. All the time, we can do a little bit of a lie. Let me, let me give you an example. You know what? Jesus really loves you. Jesus is enough. All you need is Jesus. So you don't need the church. See where the lie came in? It was true all the way up till that last part. <laughs> but so many people take the first part and then they swallow the poison with it. Right? So it's so important that we don't get deceived. Now, you might feel like, man, my life is just too busy. I don't know how to do all this, right? Now, if you're here, that's not you, okay? You're here. I'm preaching to the choir for, in, in, for a little bit, but there might be people out there that also is listening to this. It's really important that we recognize the lies that go with the little sugar coat and recognize it for the danger that it might produce in our lives, the, the destruction that it might produce in our lives. So, how does this work in terms of our battle? You have to be ultra aware of what's going on in your mind and make sure that whatever that is, is affirmed by God's truth to be correct. And if it's not, to deal with it accordingly. The purpose of the devil's accusation, first and foremost, his deception is to get us to believe things and, and, and agree with things that will eventually cause us to do things that we don't want to do, but now have become so germane to our whole you know, philosophy of life and our opinions and our logic that we just end up doing it without even thinking. So accusations make us feel bad. Deceptions sometimes give us hope. When do deceptions come? They often come when you and I are going through trauma. They often come when there's, a, there's something that happened that is, that's causing you to stress or causing you to fear or frustration. 
And so in those moments of like high frustration, the enemy takes opportunity to sell you a lie. And your mistake is that you come into agreement with that lie that offers a solution, that offers protection to you for, for, for seemingly the problem that you're facing right now, the fear that you have, the danger that you're facing, or, and, 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 then, and then essentially it cuts you off from receiving other options that might be better, which i.e. God's options. Okay, so once you've made an agreement with something, until you break your agreement with that and you again put agreement to this, the, 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 the new information, this will dictate your life. This will dictate your life. Yes, ma'am. But how do we let it go? That is the big difficulty because these things become so close to our heart. See, because they happen in moments where we're frustrated. They happen in moments where we're hurt, where we're disappointed, where somebody violated us, where somebody disappointed us, where somebody rejected us. And in those moments, the devil comes and he tells me, hmm, maybe, this was, maybe this is you that caused this. Maybe, maybe you flirted with that person and that's why they sexually advanced against you like that maybe the mistake is with you we are told "Mm, you're not really worth it you're not actually beautiful and that's why he left you and in that moment for some reason it, it 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 feels that okay that's true and i believe it And it gives me a little bit of understanding as to why he went away. But it doesn't heal you. It wrecks you. So how many of you have ever felt that I'm not good enough? I'm not wanted. Nobody likes me. I'm just damaged good. You know what? This was my fault anyways. I'm a bad person. You know what? I'm I'm just a hypocrite. I'm not beautiful. God isn't really there for me. You know what? Yeah, he's there for those, you know, goody two-shoe kind of people. But, you know, he doesn't really care for damaged goods. How can a good God allow these things to happen? Man, I can just never do anything right. Nobody ever cares for the effort that I put in. I'm not recognized. You're too needy. You don't matter. You're too sensitive. These thoughts have come to us more often than we want to even acknowledge that they have. And here's what happens. We come into agreement with these things and then we make decisions. And we say things like, I will never trust men again. You know what? I will never do drugs You know what? I will never drink alcohol. I will never become like my dad. I will never again put myself in a vulnerable situation. I will never again become so busy that I feel like I don't have time for myself. How many of you have made I will never statements like that? 
How many of you have said things like, I always fail in any business idea that I try? I always get the trashy guys. Why do I always pick the guy that ends up hitting me? Why do I always pick the girl that ends up being crazy? Well, if you go look carefully, way back somewhere, you made an agreement. You believed a lie when an individual hurt you. And you thought to yourself in that day, you know what, all men are trash. You know what, you can't trust women. And in that minute, you made an agreement. And guess what? That agreement now is a legal contract with your name on it stating that you will never meet decent people. And every time you think you like somebody, it turns out to be a disaster. Or they, te- or they treat you like trash. And it's all an outcome of a spiritual agreement, a contract that you have entered into with the enemy that will keep on ruining your life and every attempt you make to do something with your life until you break that agreement off. Now, here's the truth about contracts. A contract is valid until its terms are met, right? When the terms are met, the contract absolves. But you can't just cancel a legal contract. If you agree to buy a house and you don't like the house anymore, or the house's roof suddenly starts leaking, you don't go, "Ah, I don't like this house anymore, I'm out. No, it's your house. You're going to pay the note whether it has a leaky roof and whether you like it or not. Because the contract was entered into on legal terms. Now, the only way I can get out of that contract is if I can prove maybe that this seller sold me this house without declaring the things that was wrong about it. He sold it to me as something that was good when it was not. Now there was, there was you know... Um, I don't know what the legal term is, but he did wrong by me. A breach, well, a breach of contract. Now, he lied on the contract. That nullifies the contract. Before I meet the terms of that contract, I can now go and say, this contract cannot legally bind me because this person sold me something from a lie. And that's what needs to happen with you and I. We get sold lies. By the enemy. Can you see now why it's so important that you and I get our noses in the word of God? Because how will you know that something in your life is a lie? How will you know that what you're struggling with was caused by a lie if you do not know the truth? If you do not know what God's intention originally was? And now, <laughs> if you don't have truth backing your claim, you can't prove nothing. What happens when we take the word of God? Well, what we're really doing is we're calling on Jesus, our advocate, our legal counsel to come in and testify on our behalf. And he says to the father, father, the judge, this person was cleansed by my blood. This person was absolved of this uh, of, of, uh, of the, the wrong that they did here. Therefore, this is no longer a legal contract against their name. It can be canceled through my blood. And you and I get released from those things 
that have held us captive and have controlled our lives, kept us in sin patterns, kept us unable to break free from alcohol addiction, break free from pornography, break free from um, you know, just you know, doing stupid things, making wrong decisions in critical moments in our lives, always having calamity. You know, I buy a new thing and boom, the thing breaks. Or you know, I get blessed with money and then all of a sudden my engine fails and I have to take that money that was supposed to be a blessing and just you know, get myself back to normal where I was, no, no, no moving forward. All of these things are t- signs that there are spiritual workings on the, in the background in that part of life. Where's my phone? Remember, in, 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 the, in the part of the dimension of life that you cannot see, but it, it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah, Like you can see my screen, but now you can't. doesn't mean my screen is no longer in existence. It just means that you're not seeing it in the dimension that you're sitting in. The spiritual world is having an influence on you, and it has a legal right to do it because of your agreement to the lies that the enemy have sold you. My troubles will never go away. I believe that. And then you start saying that. We're going to talk about the tongue at another time. But this is where we need to start fighting the battle. It's with truth in our minds. So how do we do it? The first thing is we need to, like I said, understand our righteousness. That's the first and foremost thing. Because if you do not understand yourself as being set free and legally released from these things that you have done, you won't be able to take the next step. But what is that next step? Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and show us the things that had gone wrong in our lives and the lies we believed as a consequence thereof. I will never forgive my father. I can never forgive that person. I can never give them a second chance. We say these things, make these vows. We need to recognize when we made these agreements because until you recognize an agreement that you make, you cannot hone in on it and cancel it and replace it with truth. So the first thing is we need to recognize it. And, and we ask God's help for that, okay? Um, but like I said, no, 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 no. Um, okay, just now. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little bit of South African right there. Um, uh, a while ago, like I said a while ago, you start recognizing instances of things are off when you realize what God's will for your life is and you see the areas where you're not matching God's will for your life. Then you need to realize, okay, why am I not entering into God's desire for me in this area of my life? And sometimes it's just a matter of recognizing it and asking God for and stepping into it. But if it was related to a stronghold, Remember last week we spoke about these strong influences in our lives that cause us to do things even when we don't want to do them anymore? That's because of an agreement. It's because you bought into the lie. You bought into the lie. You know, um, one, of the, one of our friends who watch online um, said to me the other day, that, uh, said to me that, um, you know what, uh, we spoke about how often, um, his wife, how often she talks about my depression my depression. You know, and after Sunday service, we realized how much we've partnered with that thing, how much we've allowed that thing to tell us the extent to which we're able to be healed. 
We're not listening to the word of God because we've made an agreement with the enemy that this is how my life is going to be. Let me tell you, you might not be able to be biologically healed of depression, right? Because of certain things that is going on in your physical body. But you will never even advance against it and never even improve until you break your agreement with that thing and start a, a believing what the Word of God says of your life about His joy and about His peace and about His strength. All right? And so the issue is not like, okay, um, you know, is it wrong to deal with this with you know, therapy or with, with medicine? Or the, no, that's not the issue. The issue is, have you agreed that you can improve based on what the Word of God says to you? Because if you're not even in agreement with the Word of God, none of the options of treatment are going to help. And so your improvement starts with your breaking off agreement with these things that are causing you heartache and trouble. And the minute you break agreement now, it doesn't mean that you're automatically healed, but it means you're positioned for improvement. And things can now start changing. And in many things, many, many, many times, if there are no biological issues connected to it, the, the effects are instantaneously. You break your agreement off with that thing. And all of a sudden, you feel the weight of that thing just dropping off you. All of a sudden, you feel the desire to do that sin just dropping off you. You feel the, the, the dread of doing certain things just dropping off you. Why? Because all of a sudden, Jesus in you, who've changed you into a righteous man, is seeing the light. All of a sudden, that glass ceiling that was on you just gets taken off of you. And all of a sudden, you can rise to what Christ wants you to rise. That You could always see it. You think, well, why am I reaching it? You've got an agreement. There's an agreement. There's a contract against you, and you're being held back by it. So what do we do when we identify and recognize what these things are? First and foremost, you have to repent. Well, why do I have to repent if nine out of ten times these things that were done to me? That guy stole my business. That guy stole my money. That guy stole my whatever. That guy stole my innocence. Why do I have to repent? Here's what you're repenting of. You're not repenting of what happened to you. But you're repenting of the agreement you made with the lie of the enemy that was presented to you during that moment. He said to you, this was your fault. He said to you, you will never recover from this. And if you break your agreement with what the enemy said to you in that minute, you're starting to break free. You start to break free. But you have to repent because you chose to believe a lie rather than believe the truth of God's word. And that's not fanciful. It's not like, you know, very difficult. It's simple. It's like, Lord, I see now. I realize that I, I, I bought that lie and I made a treaty with it. But that was illegitimate. And right now, I break my agreement with that lie. That's that second word there, to renounce. I break my agreement with what the enemy told me. I will no longer believe that all men are trash, that, that no woman can be trusted, that my businesses will always fail, that I will never be financially uh, stable, that I cannot break out of this addiction. 
I will no longer believe that lie. I will believe the truth. And that's the third step is you start replacing the lie with the truth of God's word about you. God's word over you finds all of a sudden fertile ground in which to grow and start producing the righteous product and the promises of God that he wants for you to have. You see, Ephesians 6.17 says, you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. First and foremost, the helmet of salvation. Where does the helmet sit? It sits over your mind. But what is it? It's not a helmet. It's principles. It's information. It's truth about you. That's what the helmet is. The helmet says to you, you're saved. You're, rede- you're redeemed. It says to you, you don't have to perform anymore. That's what the helmet is. It's the truth of God's word. And then the word of God is also the the sword of the spirit, which according to Hebrews 4, is living and active, a double-edged sword. What does it do? It pierces to the division of soul and spirit. In other words, it, 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 it clarifies things for me. It lets me know what is of me and what is of God. Which of my opinions are held because of my because of lies that I believe and which of these things are actually God's truth. It brings discernment between the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. It helps me see, oh my goodness, I agreed with the enemy. I made that mistake and, only, and he said to me, the only way you can get out of this is by, by doing X, Y, and Z. And then you went ahead and did it and it destroyed your life more. Whereas if you would have gone and said, all right, sure. The way I treat my mistakes is to repent and to accept God's grace and to take his advice for how to move forward. It would have produced life from a massively, uh, you know, wrong thing. Could have produced life and will produce life if you would do it. And that's how the word of God helps us. You see, Jesus was sent into the, to, into the desert to be tempted of the devil. And, and here's what happened. The devil said to him, if you are, if you will. And every single time the devil said to him, if you, Jesus said to him, look, that's irrelevant because it is written. He had a it is for every if you that the devil said to him. See, if the devil gives you the option, hey, if you will do this, you'll be able to say to him, no, it is written. If I will honor the Lord my God, he will, he will guide me behind, beside still waters. He will, he will redeem me. He will um, give me a good inheritance. You have to be able to tell him what is written. For every one of these things that he will push at you to make contracts with you about how he can destroy and dictate your life from now on. That's why it's so important. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But knowing the truth, is, it's not enough to just know it in your mind. Okay, I can quote John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. No, you need to be able to apply it. You need to be able to say, all right, the truth of the matter is, yes, I might have been violated, but that does not dictate my worth. That does not mean that my life is going to um, be forever um, um, uh, molded and, 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 and influenced by this event. I'm going to be able to walk above this because the Word of God is powerful and the Word of God is going to set me free. 
because Jesus died for me when I was unworthy. How much more now that I'm his child will he put all things right? You see, you need to have it. It is for every time that devil gives you an option. If you will, do this and the next thing. And the next thing is you just have to repeat this. You have to keep doing it. And let me say to you, this is why the battle of the mind is so hard because it's the longest battle you'll fight. It ends when you end. That's when this one ends. It doesn't end until, until you say, Sayonara, see you later. It's going to continue. So the other day, um, I came out of a, a, a meeting um, in Jennings, and I just, I just felt horrible during that meeting. I hated being there. Um, I didn't feel like it was worth being there. I didn't feel like it was going to have any good effect in our lives um, and in, in, in our church. And um, my wife asked me, why do you always feel so like dead? You look like death comes over you when you step into meetings like that. I said to her, I don't know. It's like, it wasn't like I had a bad day before I got there. In fact, I was happy before I got there. You know, small talk with a lot of people, you know, we're cutting up and just having a good time. And the minute we sat down and we started talking about the things that we were trying to plan out, I was just like, this is useless. And literally felt like, you know, death came over me. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to participate. I was just like reluctantly, all right, you know, whatever. And, she, and, and we were like, I don't know why I feel like that. I was good up until, and I thought to myself, man, this is really bad, because every single time I go into meetings like that, I feel like that. I feel like literally death comes over me. don't want to be there anymore. just want to go. And, um, and I said to her something, and it like, it's like the light came on. I said to her, you know what? I just don't feel that this is going to result in anything good. It's not going to change nothing. And she said to me, you can't say that. You've never done this with these people. It might not have happened according to your opinion well where you come from, but you have to give them a chance to prove whether it will work here or not. You can't just assume that it won't work. And in that moment, I knew exactly what was going on. I come from a history where strategic planning meetings led to nothing. And come to a new church, love the people, have no reason to believe that those plans won't materialize in good things. But my past experience influences me. Step into that meeting, and I don't like being there at all. And in that moment, I realized I believed a lie. I said, these things never amount to anything good. <laughs> And it controlled my whole well-being. It controlled me so bad that I tried to engage, but I couldn't engage that meeting. All right? So in that minute, I got delivered from it. We've had more meetings like that since. I'm done. I'm good. I love it. I love doing those meetings with the people that I work with now. Because we, we do do stuff together with it. And I'll all work out the way I want it to work out. But you know what? That don't even bother me anymore. Because I've been set free from that lie. Guys, this can happen to anybody. And it is happening to everybody. My wife is currently in an inner healing class. She's going through an inner healing class. And we said, look, you're not going to just go through this because you want to be able to present it. 
do it like it is for you. We've been through countless things, man. Like, you know, I'm 20 years in ministry. I'm 40 years, no, 30 odd years a Christian now. We've been through so many of these things. Sometimes I just wonder, like, can God still figure out some more stuff to deal with in our hearts? And then like, we go sit in those moments, and if I just give him the slight bit of attention, he wrecks me all over again, shows me stuff that are still, you know, broken inside of me, and then he heals me, and he makes my life incredibly better. And so my wife is sitting in this class, and she has this, um, she, she comes back to me, she says, you know what, I recognized a lie out of my past that I always thought was just relevant in one area of my life, but God showed me in this class that this lie has power over other areas in my life too, and it just presents itself differently, but it's the same lie. And I managed to address it at this class. And I'm telling you, in, in that area of our lives, we're turning a corner, we're becoming different people, because the power that that lie had on us is dissolving. And now the changes and things that we wanted to bring into our lives for years all of a sudden, we're making them. All of a sudden, we're breaking through. Sorry, I'm spinning. Why? Because we broke an agreement. We recognized that we partnered with the enemy to destroy our lives or to keep us in bondage, to oppress us. No longer, no more. We recognized it. We repented. Lord, I'm sorry I said that. I renounce my agreement with that. I replace it with the truth that my wife so powerfully shared with me. You've got to give these people a chance in their own right. That's true. So I decided to do that. And boom, release, breakthrough. It's incredible. Now this is, you know, you might think, oh, well, that's, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a, a serious thing. Trust me, I dealt with the serious things when I was 18 and 19, okay? Um, father issues and, 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 and deep wounds of molestation and things like that that I, that I encountered as a, as, a, as, a, as a child. Those are the things I dealt with. If you've not dealt with that, don't think it just disappears because you're old now. It just doesn't. It's a contract, people. And the contract is valid until terms are met or until it's canceled. And so these things are influencing you and destroying you and keeping you at bay. Oh, you know, um, you had a bad experience with, with somebody who was a charismaniac. I call them charismaniacs, people who, who don't stay true to Scripture in their, um, in their passion to serve God. Like, we're charismatic, but we're, I'm trying to be not a charismaniac because I want to be true to what the Bible says. If you had a bad experience with the charismatic church and all of a sudden you step into a moment like this and you just can't stand it. Why? Because you probably believed a lie. All charismatic church are unscriptural. Or all charismatic church uh, are, are shallow. They don't have good theology. And because of that, you're struggling to just jump in. You're struggling to say, all right, let me, let me commit to this church family and start growing with it. You might have issues about foreigners. I'm sorry. I'm one of them. I am. Didn't you know? I'm from South Africa. I'm African. But you, you see how these things dictate your emotions? I just can't trust that guy. I just can't trust that guy. Why? Because he looks like someone from my past that hurt me. This, this, this is how these things work. All right. Let's do this. Let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. Right now, right where you are. I want you to stand up. We're going to ask God to help us here.
Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now that you will begin to show each and every one of us. And let the, let the Holy Spirit just take your mind back to, to things that He wants to highlight in your life. Where you got hurt, disappointed, things that you're frustrated about that caused you to make pacts or agreements or inner vows. Things that you said in the past that, that the Holy Spirit... The first thing that comes to mind, don't discard it. Don't think of it as too small a thing. It's the Holy Spirit's will. Let Him show you what He wants you to deal with right here, right now. The Bible says we recognize it. Search my heart, O Lord, and show me where there are things that are out of line with your perspectives. This might be hard for some. You might find yourself wanting to go back to things in your past where you really, really got hurt. Trust God and go there. Allow Him into that space. He wants to bring you healing. He wants to deliver you from that. So trust Him. You had a bad experience with your father. I see a little, oh my God. a little boy next to a tractor wanting to wanting his dad to to pick him up and his dad fussing at him and telling him he's, he's just a boy can do no good here he needs to go home get out of harm's way that moment you vowed that you will prove to your father that you're not no good you made a vow that you will work so hard that he will recognize you and that vow to work hard is just it's just destroying your life you can't say no to work you to hear the Holy Spirit because you believed the lie in that moment that unless you work and can work hard that there is you're not you're no worth you're worth nothing I want you to hear the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit won't you share your truth with that person right here right now believe he will be saying and echoing the Bible says that God gives nations in our stead that you are not worth to him what you do but you are worth him because he created you because he loves you because he's proud of you for who you are You've tried to do good. But he wants to release you today of that lie that says that your good is only in how much you can work. Your good goes way beyond that. 
just a lie that you would believed. It's just one little thing that God just showed me right now. But there's so many other, so many things that went wrong in our lives that presented us with lies to believe, and we came into agreement with that. I want you to renounce that agreement right now. I'm going to ask you to lead, to follow me in a prayer. Heavenly Father, can you pray out loud with me? Would you, would you trust me? Could you follow me? Heavenly Father, I'm sorry I believed that lie. Please forgive me. I break my agreement with that lie. thank you that your truth is going to set me free in Jesus name Amen God wants to do that in each and every part of your life that you have hurt struggle heartbreak frustration this is the God we serve guys he loves you he loves you he doesn't want you to stay stuck there he wants you in victory Lord we praise you we honor you for the work that only your Holy Spirit can do I pray that as we go out this place today that this simple act of recognizing lies, repenting, renouncing our agreement, and replacing it with your truth over our lives, I believe that it will radically transform our relationship with you. And it will set people free from years and years of bondage and heartache and hurt and struggle Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name.